Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes Fernando Pacheco, a professional photographer living in New York City whose work can be found at www.photobyfernando.com. With Matt, Fernando discusses his earliest memories of being interested in art and photography, and about how moving around a lot as a child and moving to the U.S. at a young age has shaped him and his art. They also chat about how he found a day job in the arts as a product photographer, how phone cameras and the existence of apps like Instagram have changed photography, and about how social media has been both a blessing and a curse to his form of artistic expression. And so, from Fernando's many projects to the photographers that have inspired him in his career, here's presenting Matt Storm and Fernando Pacheco. And welcome to another episode of Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and my guest this week is the one and only brilliant and talented Fernando Pacheco. Did I get that right? You very close. Very right. good. Yeah. <laughs> Steve is going to say it right at the top of the show, so that's good enough. Um, so thank you for joining me. We've been friends for a long time. I really appreciate having you on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I, I was always really interested in having you on the show. Well, A, because we don't get to catch up enough one-on-one anyway, and so this is an excuse to just do that. Yeah, that doesn't happen often enough. But um, also because you've been a photographer a long time. We shot, shot together for the first time last year, which was great. And I've always wondered how you got into f- photography. Was that something that you always wanted to do since you were young? Is it something you found later? Like, how did that love of images and photography start? Um, I think I was always interested in um, the way people see things mm-hmm. and perspective. And then probably when I was about uh, six or seven years old, uh, someone I think gave to me as a gift, as a gag gift. As a, I don't know what it was, but it was this tiny little camera, tiny little film camera mm-hmm. that was advertised as the smallest camera in the world. <laughs> and it was actually supposed to be smaller than the roll of film itself, which was interesting. Interesting. Um, it was just a little box. You would load film onto one side and it would slide over and there was a tiny little square you looked through mm-hmm. and you press a button to take pictures. Um, and I started using that. And I didn't know if I got anything out of it. I was six years old. You right. Know? Um, but I started shooting with it. And just the idea of looking through that little plastic square mm-hmm. and framing something and, and thinking about what that perspective meant, like putting my own vision into the world when I wanted to present this unique vision was really interesting. So that stuck with me. And pretty much from when I was uh, very young, I was interested or doing photography. And did you go to school for photography at all? Uh, no, I didn't actually. I, uh, I, ne- I never studied uh, uh, photography outside of some required courses in, co- in high school and a couple in college. Okay. And so like your perfectionism and your love of photography has come from just sweat and, and blood, sweat and tears essentially? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, a lot of people talk about uh, being born with or having natural talent. Mm-hmm. And I never thought of myself as having any of that. Right. I, don't, I don't think of myself as a naturally talented person. I work really hard uh, to get what I get uh, artistically, creatively, um, in life in general. It's all really just a lot, a lot of hours of just trying to understand something and wrapping my head around it and experimenting and, and just iterating and moving forward. Well, you've also been able to recently, um, uh, at least frequent, more frequently recently, work with professional companies to do like um, product pho- photography and stuff like that, stuff for websites. Yeah. Um, 
Did you ever imagine that you could pay bills with photography? Was that a thing you ever thought you could do? You, you know, it's a funny thing. Um, I, I got into photography as a kid, as I mentioned. And um, right around, I want to say, the time I was 12 or 13 years old, uh, I had to do a report for school. Mm -hmm. And the report was uh, research a topic, uh, research a career that you might want to do when you grow up and do a little report on it. And I was like, well, I, I like photography already. That would be cool. Let me let me do a report on that. And I went and did research and wrote about you know the, the salaries and what's involved <laughs> and all this other stuff. And um, and submitted it to my teacher. And the very first thing she said to me was, well, it doesn't seem like it pays very much compared to being a doctor <laughs> or a lawyer. So why would you want to do that? And I and I thought, oh, I, oh, I guess I guess I, I guess I shouldn't do that. I, I guess I mean. You're a kid, right? You're yeah. very impressionable. Yeah. Uh, you know, adults, especially teachers, leave a lasting impression. So, so I moved away from it, and I thought, oh well, I guess this is not a thing that I'm going to do. Um, and my life took other another course for a long time, and um, it was it wasn't until um, it wasn't until that I was really doing it in the trenches, where I was like every day making a living mm -hmm. doing it, that I was like, oh, this has finally come full circle. Yeah. I actually. That teacher was a jerk, and uh, screw you, because I am doing this professionally, and it's great. Yeah, that's a bummer when teachers do stuff like that. I was very lucky to have teachers who were always very supportive of me, but it's a bummer when they just kind of look at you and are very real, because you don't want that as a kid. You want imagination. You want people to kind of lift you up. I mean, I'm now finally starting to make an income steadily as a DJ, and it's still nothing compared to my day job. I still have one of those, but... I, I'm doing, you know, five, six, seven shows a month where years ago I was doing one or two maybe. And it's not a thing I thought I could ever do either because of the same. Like DJs were like, oh, those guys who play weddings, like they don't they don't make any money. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, I guess I won't do that. I'll find something else more lucrative. And it, it sucks that sometimes the arts are squashed. It seems like there's a better environment for kids now, from what I can tell anyway, to support that kind of thing. And and I, I would have been super thankful to have something like that growing up. I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I, I hope that it's a little bit better. I mean, when I when I was a kid, I was bouncing from school to school to school. My family was moving around a lot. Mm -hmm. So I often had all kinds of teachers, uh, naysayers, and, yeah. and just horrible, angry, bitter people. And I think you're always going to have naysayers. There's always going to be true. the haters. I mean, if you've ever posted anything on YouTube, just like the <laughs> yeah, comments are yeah. like ridiculous. I try and avoid those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, never that's read never the good. comments, but... Um, well, so you let's go back to you saying you were bouncing around from school to school. So you're not originally even from the U.S., is that right? Yeah, that's right. I was uh, I, I was born in Chile. Uh, um, my family's from Chile. Um, my my mom and dad are from very interesting, very different sides of the world in terms of how they grew up mm -hmm. in that country. Um, and then we came here basically as political refugees in oh, wow. 19, uh, basically 1980, 1981. Wow. We were traveling for close to six months. Um, yeah, close to six months we were traveling from Chile all, all up through Central America and in, into the United States. And um, much later did we get our citizenship, uh, get our first our green cards and our citizenship. Wow, that's incredible. Like, those are the kind of things, being someone who's grown up in New York my whole life, it's like trying to understand what that's like, especially as a kid, having that lack of stability. I imagine, 
I mean, it imagined it forced you to grow up a little faster, too, just kind of having to take in the stuff that's going on around you. Yeah, in a lot of ways it was. I mean, I grew up an only child. Mm-hmm. I moved around a lot. So I found I found friendship and, and uh, interest in books and in art and in science and in other areas that just kind of made me a nerd. Yeah. You know, and, and that's I'm, I'm really thankful for that, even though it was tough. Yeah, sure. Because um, there's a whole aspect of myself that developed that I really love. And I wouldn't change, even though, yeah, there were times it was really tough, you know. Um, but but I'm, I'm happy with the way those things turned out. I really like that. That's think, awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. And so, um, obviously, you know the other podcast that I do, uh, that Your Lovely Wife has been a multi-time guest on. Um, shout out to Key to St. Cyr. Um, we talk a lot about music. And I, I've always, it's funny, I know we've talked about music in the past, but yeah. if you had asked me to to regurgitate your tastes in music? I don't know that I actually could. Mostly, I think, because you're fairly well-rounded when it comes to what you like. But um, especially being from another country and coming to the U.S., are the, is, do you think coming here at a young age influenced your tastes in music at all? Oh, I don't know. I mean, like... Um, or did I, you not really get into music till you were older? No, I mean, I, 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 music was always around me, and mm-hmm. my, my, uh, my family was into music. Uh, may, maybe not in the same way as somebody who's, like, a super fan of music, somebody who's, like... Like you, you yeah. know discographies and you know like <laughs> artists inside and out. It wasn't like that, but there was always music uh, around the house. There was always music I was hearing. Um, I think it was more so a, a time period thing. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, um, I, I first started becoming aware of the music around me probably in the mid to late 80s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you had you had things like Depeche Mode and The Cure going on all sure, around. Of and that was really cool and I'm still into that. Uh, but then you had the aspects coming in from my like my dad, who was like an old time rock and roll fan. So I grew up with a lot of like fifties and sixties stuff, the, the doo wop and the Buddy Holly, oh, nice. and you know Beatles stuff. And so I was really into that. And then as I got a little bit older, I think I just got this really eclectic taste. So I got things from a little, little bit from everywhere. Mm-hmm. From you know grunge was happening in around ninety three, yeah. so I was really into that. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, I, I ran the spectrum. I'm not, I'm not the sort of person who would say, oh, yeah, I'm all about this one particular genre. Sure. Maybe when I was in high school, it was all, it was all straight up SoCal punk rock. <laughs> and, you know, and that was cool. <laughs> but uh, no, no, since then, I like everything. It's just kind of all over the place. So um, I guess the, uh, what I'd follow up that up with is since you said you run the gamut, and I don't believe in guilty pleasures, first of all, I feel like you shouldn't be guilty about anything that you like. If you like it, agreed, you like it. Agreed, totally. Um, but for those listening who, who do know you, what would they be surprised to know that you like? Like, is there an artist or a type of music that people who know you might be surprised that you really like? Ooh, surprised. I don't know. I, I guess if we haven't had a conversation about music, maybe you yeah. would be surprised. Yeah, uh, country music. I mean, oh, some, wow. some country music. Really love Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard. I mean, how can you not love Willie Nelson? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not a huge country fan, and I love Willie Nelson. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think based on his personality alone, it's hard not to like him. Yeah, especially now. Right? Yeah, especially now. <laughs> but he's an interesting person because he's, he's someone who didn't... Um, catch commercial success until yeah. he was like in his 40s or something mm-hmm. like that in and out of prison and stuff like that he had an interesting life before he was a musician yeah and i always think those stories are kind of interesting like morgan freeman is everywhere now but you have to think about when he was in his 20s 30s even 40s like he wasn't everywhere he got he became pop culture uh, related much later on. And I think that's fascinating that people can find success in their artistic career much later. We're all told, like, if you don't make it in your teens or oh, 20s. Yeah, no, yeah, it's... no, screw that noise. No, I think it's fantastic because it it's, gives you inspiration to never stop trying, never tr- 
stop developing yourself and who yeah. knows maybe the thing you're ultimately like most famous for won't happen until you're 70 who knows yeah no and i think that's really great and i think our access like the, our access to the internet and to the world at large through it i think is both a blessing and a curse like it's a blessing because you can look up things and see things that you've never seen before but to cite what you mentioned earlier about youtube commenters there are people out there who just want to watch the world burn and they have easier <laughs> access to do it so to speak and so i think it's a double-edged sword but i think because you can reach niche audiences you know like to have your own website in the 90s you needed a professional to code it and create it you know and and pull it together and meanwhile now anyone can create a, a face a facebook fan page like i have one with like 300 likes for my dj stuff and it's easy to kind of rally a community around you even if it's a small one pretty easily i, I think you're right about that i mean the double-edged sword is is so true and that's why i think there has to be a lot of uh conscious balance mm -hmm. you know like you know recently i quit facebook i do yeah. for the <laughs> third time fourth time i've lost count permanently permanently um, <laughs> um just because i feel like i was investing too much energy in that one aspect mm -hmm. of online social media whatever of my life yeah as it relates to other people and i was like okay how can i better focus my energies because i have so many like creative and personal goals mm -hmm. that i want to accomplish i just needed to you know like check out of that yeah and use that energy somewhere else and i think that's something that i think we need to look look at going forward it's like how are, how much time are we spending on these things versus what we're getting out of them yeah i agree i think that for me personally in the last year or so i've learned how to better promote myself on social medias and so i'm trying to use them less for things that drain my energy like there's a lot of political and social commentary and conversations on facebook and i think they're important to have there but i think it's also way more important to have them anywhere else and i think that for me the only energy I want to put into Facebook is the same energy I want to get out. So I'll put all my positive energy into it, like music I'm listening to, shows I'm doing, people I care about, and then I hope to get only that back. I mean, also the algorithm's broken, so Facebook kind of decides what you should see anyway, which is nonsense too. Yeah. And so I worry about a lot of that, but I think that it takes a lot of self-control to pull off of Facebook. I mean, we're all so tied to it now. and I. I'm less surprised when I meet people who don't have a Facebook page. I'm kind of like, good for you, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, it has been good for me. The, the only downside uh, recently was that I was looking to get some people to come over for some photo shoots. <laughs> I was like, oh, I have this roll of film I need to shoot. I need some people to stand in for portraits. Oh, wait, I can't get in touch with anybody. anybody right yeah, I know, yeah. because these things called phones that nobody uses anymore, except for, like, tiny computers. Pretty much. I started texting people, and then that turned into, hey, do you want to get a drink? I'm like, no, 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 no. No, no, <laughs> no, no. I mean, yes, but not, not, <laughs> yeah. no, no. Yeah, no, I hear that. It's, it's tough. Like, I found that scheduling things, it's such a shortcut for stuff, like creating events and stuff. It's like you just send out a mass invite on Facebook, and you're like, all right, I've done my due diligence, even though that doesn't even always work anymore. Yeah, I think, I think that's... Uh, uh, falls into I don't want to say laziness but yeah. like you do it expecting it it's automatically it's yeah. super convenient yeah and because it's low hanging fruit I don't think you get the most that you could out of it yeah. I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten about like other forms of promotion whatever right. they might be other forms of outreach and the opportunity to get creative yeah be because I think with creative things if you start to limit yourself 
then you can find other ways to be creative within those limitations. And that's where things can get interesting. Yeah. I mean, like for me, like I still get mailing lists from very specific sources that I care about. And uh, for the record, Crash Chords has a mailing list. But I don't know that any that many people sign up for it because like email has become a thing that's mostly communication focused and not but not event communication focused, I feel like. But then again, what is the next way to reach out to people if it's not physical flyers, if it's not Facebook, if it's not Twitter, if it's not email, like I mean, word of mouth works really well, and I find, like, the most engaged listeners I get for this show and for the other podcast and for my DJing is face-to-face, here's my card, because it's face-to-the-name kind of thing. I feel like, I think uh, digital outreach is still so impersonal that it'll work for people that you can't get to physically who are across the country, and it's great for that. But for anyone else, like, in person, I feel like is still the better way to go. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I think, for me, I'm trying to... Um, like I said uh, about limiting things, mm-hmm. I think I'm trying to cut down on the extraneous connections that I have. Mm-hmm. People across the country that I probably not get a chance to meet up with, right. not get a chance to see face to face, not get a chance to have a conversation like this with. Right. Um, and sort of limit things to people who I will have that opportunity to do that with and have those close interactions with. And especially if I'm uh, working on a creative project, a, a photo shoot series or whatever. Invite those people in and have that real moment. I'm like, hey, let's let's grab dinner and do this shoot and do this other stuff. And this is all going to be one-on-one or this is going to be a small group. And we're going to do this for real. Yeah. Not this thing that's online, which is can be wonderful, wonderful, but not what I'm looking to you know enjoy in my life at this point. Sure, yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Uh, I guess the next thing I'd ask is because so when we shot last year, I can't even remember when it was. It was warm, so I'm guessing sometime around the summer, maybe yeah, the spring. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was early summer. Um, you know, you would ask if I wanted to shoot with you, which I was honored to be asked um, because you. you were looking to build out your portfolio, and I love those photos still. Some of the creative stuff you came up with last, like last second, still kind of people are like, "Wow, how did you do that? Like, what is that?" <laughs> just screwing around, I t- and, and and I told you that day. I was like, "Look, I'm just." I don't know. We don't have a plan here. Yeah. Like, this is going to be really open and into free because this is what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, I hope you're on board with that. Yeah, it totally was. But the, I've gotten lots of compliments on those photos. Do you find that building out your portfolio, A, has that been helpful to you? And B, do you find that doing these kinds of shoots with people that you know or people who are eager to shoot, does it help build up your skill? Does it help um, you get more contacts and more shoots? Oh, totally. I think um, I think anytime I get to work with someone, it's a learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially someone that I know because I have to have that moment where I'm supposed to lead and tell you, okay, yeah. this is what you're going to do and this is what you're not going to do and this is how this is going to go. And it can be really unpredictable. Mm-hmm. It can be really unpredictable. And the way that, for example, you and I know each other in this context or in the context of hanging out is very different yeah. from a photo shoot. Yeah. And so there can be that moment of like, okay, well, now what? Because we haven't yeah. encountered this moment. Yeah. How do we proceed? Um and so, yeah, totally. Building up my portfolio and doing these other projects uh, can be a lot of fun and it can be challenging. And I think that's part of the appeal is yeah. really like I want to do something that kind of pushes what I haven't been doing, you know, exercises, tired muscles or, you know, uh, muscles that haven't gotten the workout in a long time. Sure. And that's part of uh, what that series was, too, which I hope to get to revisit soon. Yeah, it was great. I mean, also, the thing is addressing the the fact that we had not been engaged in that way before is that there was this moment of 
I clearly didn't know how to carry myself. And you realized, oh, I really do have to take lead. And then absolutely did for the whole shoot. And it was great. You told me exactly what you needed. We were able to get really great shots. And uh, and I think that that's kind of a leadership skill is important for photography. Would you say that's something that you were always comfortable doing? Or did you kind of have to discover it? Oh, not at all. <laughs> no way, man. I'm still not comfortable with it. I mean, I have to do it as my job anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I had been doing so much uh, what's called tabletop work or still, yeah. still work, where I'm just plopping a thing down on a table, letting it and shooting it that I had almost completely forgotten how to handle working with people especially people who aren't used to being in front of the camera 24 7 right uh, so I was like okay this is a good opportunity to do that and then at that moment when we work together I'm like oh crap <laughs> I, I gotta make something happen here okay well let's try a bunch of stuff and yeah. here's what's gonna happen uh, and some of it works and some of it doesn't but that's how it goes too sure um, so yeah so definitely being able to do that is really important and and I, I haven't gotten to that point where I feel like oh, I, I know what I'm doing. I've mastered this. Yeah. I don't think I ever get there, you know? Yeah. And that's part of the thing that I was saying earlier about uh, I don't feel like I have a, a natural born talent. I don't have an, right. any talent in anything. I feel like a creative person that I can think on my feet and all this other stuff. But when it comes to whatever I'm doing, it's about working really hard to achieve what I'm imagining, what I'm trying to accomplish. And be it like studying or learning or working with people or whatever I have to do to get more comfortable at, okay, now I need to lead this person in a mm-hmm. photo shoot, or now I need to understand how to light this particular uh, product or this particular material. It's all a long iterative process where I just have to almost by force learn everything that I'm doing. Sure. And and I think it's really interesting also to when you talk to somebody who you feel is an incredible talent, but you hear hesitation even in their voice you know that I mean first of all I think if any of us perfect the art that we're working on why keep working on it like you're done like that's it you've hit your peak and you're just fooling yourself because you haven't right (laughs) exactly because nobody's hit hit their peak yet if you're still working then you haven't perfected anything um but talking about other types of photography because you said you've done a lot of still stuff and also done photo shoots with with human beings um have you ever considered doing event photography at all Uh, i did event photography for about three years okay three years i used to do a lot of nightlife stuff Mm -hmm. so i used to work with this company that hired me to go to bars and go to parties and shoot the events and uh, photograph everybody having a great time and everybody could see how well-dressed they Uh are and all that stuff. Uh, And it was good. I enjoyed it. But it got to that point where I'm like, okay, I'm done done with this after a few years. Um, Because it would be late nights. I wouldn't start work until 9 or 10 o'clock at night at the earliest. If I did uh, two or three uh, three venues, I would finish at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, hand back home, edit everything because it had to be be delivered in 12 hours or less. (laughs) And I wouldn't get to bed until like eleven o'clock the next day. Jeez, uh, so That's it rough. was yeah, it was it took its toll on me. So I did I did uh, a few like kids parties and things like that. I I shot a friend's wedding once, mm-hmm. only wedding I've ever shot or and will ever shoot. Uh, <laughs> so, our wedding is wedding photography not for you? Oh, totally not for me. Uh, I have a rule is uh, no no weddings, no babies, and it used to be no pets. But I like I like dogs. And yeah. they're cute. <laughs> there you go. I might photograph one, but not for money. Okay, yeah. that's fair enough. Yeah, it's funny. I was always leery about that getting into DJ work, but the only weddings and parties I've been hired to do so far are like through friend of a friend. Yeah. And I feel more comfortable doing that because I feel like it'll be l- l- a lot less stressful than doing like some stranger's wedding. Yeah. That's got like all these different levels and all the parties that I've set up for. I've kind of sent like sample playlists that I've built and been like, this is the kind of stuff I I use, and they go. 
go, this is perfect, you're hired. And I'm like, okay, great, that's nice and easy. Yeah, but that sounds great. I, yeah. I think that sounds like a good niche to be in, like a good yeah. place to go to start. And if you decide you want to go into that other stuff, I mean, why not? That's yeah. fine too. I think it's it's we're in an interesting time because a lot of technology doesn't require, at least in the beginning, the gear that it used to. Like you have a beautiful camera, you have great shooting equipment, but to get started in photography of any f vein, all you need is a phone now. I mean, you're not gonna take professional photography, but you can get an interest in spacing and in shooting style and in angles and all of that stuff. And same with like music now, anyone with a, a laptop and an, uh, an AV cable can plug into any system and play music. And I think it's, it's, it's great that technology has such a low a barrier of entry now, but it's also kind of flooding the market at the same time. And so like we were talking about technology earlier and social media, I, I feel like like too many people, like I take tons of stupid photos on my Instagram and I don't consider myself a photographer. I consider myself some jackass trying to promote himself. <laughs> but a lot of people do treat it as art. And I'm curious how you feel about the Instagram generation because I feel like there is some legit art on Instagram, but I also feel like some people think it's art. And I don't want to... I don't want to rain on anyone's parade, but how do you feel about that kind of accessible market when it comes to being a professional photographer? Um, the thing about photography in that context is that people have been having that same complaint since the beginning of photography. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, you look at the invention of photography itself. Mm -hmm. Photography, the invention of photography itself, you have this movement where people are trying to basically replicate painting. Right. They're, re they're re replacing painting, rather. And so... All these artists were like, oh, photography, that's not real art. That doesn't even count. You didn't even pick up a brush. And, and what happens? It, it births the entire genre of modernism. You, yeah. you have this moment where now uh, to be a skillful painter and, and paint a perfect photorealistic likeness of a human being means absolutely nothing anymore. Right. Because you can do it instantly rel relatively yeah. compared to before uh, in a camera. And so then painters are like, well, now what do we do? All right, and then, then you have abstract expressionism comes yeah. along, and right, all kinds sure. of other art forms come along that are birthed out of that question of what, what do we do now? This, this technology has upended our idea of what art is. Right. And so even after that, and eventually someone says, well, photography is kind of art, I guess, so it's okay. And then you have all these arguments about which styles are acceptable and not acceptable, right. you know? At the very beginning, you have photographers who are smearing uh, Vaseline on the front of their lenses to try and mimic this sort of painterly look that everyone, that's thats what it, art is supposed to look like, right? right? We're trying to replicate that. And then you have someone who, like Paul Strand who comes along and he does this thing called straight photography. And straight photography was this totally revolutionary concept at the time. He wasn't the only one doing it, but it was this idea of like, no, I'm going to photograph things as they are. Everything is going to be crisp and clear. You're going to see the shape and everything is going to be beautiful. And if you look at Paul Strand's work from the early 1900s, 19, up to the 1920s, you see this work that would be completely at home in Instagram now. You make it a color photo and no one would know no, that you didn't yeah. take it on an iPhone. And so like that came about and people were like, well, that's not photography. <laughs> and and so on and so on. Sure. And so like with, with the Instagram generation, I'll admit I was really hesitant about joining Instagram sure. in the beginning. I, I got an account, I think, like last year. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's uh, really pushed me to to really put out more work. Yeah. It's given me a reason to, to put, try and post something every day, take a picture of something every day. Right. Uh, and 
I know a lot of people go into Instagram and they'll go, oh, my thing is landscapes. Right. And they'll just shoot landscapes. And that's beautiful. And they get a million followers on landscapes. But there's also a million landscape photographers. Or yeah. whatever the category is, there's a million of them. And they're all better than you. Right. <laughs> you exactly. Know? Sure. Um, for me, it's it's gotten to the point where I, I use Instagram as a way to like be sort of free with my photography. I'm going to post whatever I want. Yeah. I'm going to just not uh, try and confine myself. And that's always been a thing for me is that the work that I've done always seems to fall into certain categories. For a long time, I was doing a lot of pinup work with the burlesque community. And no matter where I went, I was like, they were like, oh, yeah, you're the pinup photographer. I'm like, eh, yeah. not anymore, but okay. Yeah. Um, and last few years that I've been doing all this commercial product photography, it's all this still life product photography. And so Instagram has given me an opportunity to break out of the boxes that I'm yeah. used to being uh, used to thinking in and thought of as. So people who are like, oh, you just did pinup. No, no, no. Here's other stuff. Yeah. I'm doing these other things. And people who are like, oh, you just do product stuff. No, no, no. Check out this out. Yeah. These other things. And it's not all great. It, I don't <laughs> care. It's okay. Right. Uh, it's my playground. Well, um, yeah. And what I've really liked about your Instagram is that, and uh, we'll link to it in the show notes, um, is that you have you take interesting photos, but not just because of the content but your thought on it because you always have some kind of caption you always have some kind of perspective you're not just taking the photo but you're also kind of guiding our vision of it which i think is really cool thanks do you think that that's important for t photography i mean i would say that the image should speak for itself too but do you feel like also kind of guiding your art or trying to um like in the sense of a gallery do you feel like the photo should speak for itself or should there be a description should there be a context um, I think that's a that's a deep question, right? Yeah. So it's a it's a layered question. Um, for me, the why of artistic expression is really important. Yeah. Uh, meaning, what what is my intent? Right. Why am I doing this versus that? Why is it a, a square crop versus a rectangle? Why color not black and white? Why this person not not this other person? Right. Um, and so to have that context is is really important. And by this, on the same side of that coin, the question of um, is it an interesting photo because it's an interesting subject or because it's an interesting photo? Right. Rather, uh, I could take a picture of a celebrity and people will love it. Of course. Because there's a celebrity, celebrity. in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's great. That's totally fine. Um, but if you take that away, then what do you have? Right. And if it's still a good photo, then I think that's that's the mark of something you've created, something worth looking at. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the question of why am I why am I taking this photo? Sometimes I just want to show off what I ate, and I'm like, uh, hey, look at I, this. This I looks awesome. I had French toast three days in a row. I have a problem. Yeah, <laughs> which <laughs> is legit. Totally legit. But sometimes it's I want to uh, show a particular vision, that particular perspective on something that. Maybe the subject is mundane, mm -hmm. but the context and the thought process behind it hopefully is interesting, and hopefully the execution is interesting and useful and, and inspires someone to, I don't know, create something else or just want to continue looking at my work or react in some way, even if it's they hate it. That's okay, too. <laughs> yeah, sure. Reaction's a reaction. I yeah. feel like even a, a volatile or aggressive 
but well thought out reaction is still worthwhile. Like we had someone who commented on one of our episodes. We reviewed Rob Thomas's new album at the time. For those who don't know, he's the lead singer of Matchbox 20. And we weren't kind to it because he does good work and we didn't think it was good work. And a, a woman commented saying, I can't remember her name now and it's killing me because she put out a really educated and great argument about why certain things were the way they were based on his life and things he was going through, context that we never had. Yeah. And she made a compelling argument. And then so Steve made a compelling counter argument because Steve is our word guy. He he says the things. And then she made a compelling com a comment back saying, you know, thank you for taking the time and showing your perspective. And like, it's just really nice when stuff like that can happen where you can discuss art without it just being, you suck, this sucks. Like, you know, you don't really get anything from that. Nobody learns anything. I think I think there has to be both sides to it. Yeah, you know, um, I, a I want to understand and know an artist. I think that helps. Yeah, um, and even better if I can do that through the art yeah. that they're creating. Um, but there also needs to be room for critique. Sure. Um, I I remember going to school and I, and I didn't go to school for photography. I went to school for graphic design, mm -hmm. which is something that would probably later inform the way I do things. But part of that was a really heavy curriculum in fine arts mm -hmm. and th there was this one class that i took that was a combined class mm -hmm. that was it spanned two semesters and it was uh drawing sculpture painting and something else I oh, wow. it was a four it was four disciplines all in one for two semesters and the way it worked was that you had to pass both sections and have it span both semesters and there was a critique at the end in which you had to defend all the work that you had done over the last year. Wow. And all the professors that you had ever had were there sh looking at all your work and basically tearing it apart. Wow. And if you failed, you failed all of it and had to start over. Oh, man. So it was really rough. That's rough. It was really rough. And I remember the final critique. I wasn't, I wasn't first in the lineup because it was just you know student after student going one after another into this room where they were going to be literally pretty much thrown into the lion's den yeah. and be torn apart. And people were coming out in tears, crying. Yeah, sure, you know? of course. Um, and I went in and I had a rough time too. You know, I had to defend my work vigorously. But that was part of it too. Mm -hmm. That was what was expected of you as an artist. Right. Is to say, no, 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 no. I don't care if you think this is garbage. Here's why it's not. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And I think that's an important aspect of the creative process that's worth having and is often missed. Mm -hmm. um, a, a bunch of years ago, about 10 years ago, I joined on this site, which was new at the time and now is like, oh, you're on there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a site called Model Mayhem. Oh, of course, sure. Yeah. And so uh, this is like around 2006. I had joined and I had been on other artistic communities online and stuff. And uh, they were set up so that when you post a photo, there's comments you can post uh, underneath it. And one of the first things I started doing, because I had been used to my style of, of interacting with the art, and I had been mm -hmm. used to other communities where this was encouraged, I started posting critiques. I was like, ah, oh, this is nice, but you know, I feel like you're not doing enough of the lighting here, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And just, I got so much hate mail. Ugh. So much hate mail. And, and my account got reported on all these things. I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> this is what, this is art. This is yeah. what we do. We, we, we go back and forth and you defend your decision. You defend, yeah. oh, well, you know, this gel is here because of this. And yeah. this is what my vision is. And so I talked to someone about that and they're like, no, 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 you're not supposed to 
you know, critique in the comments. You're just supposed to kiss ass there. That's all you do. And then you kiss ass and they kiss your ass and everybody. I was like, this is terrible. Well, yeah, what's the point? What's the point of that? I don't understand. But I, but I think there has to be that balance, you mm -hmm. know. Like, I definitely want to understand an artist through their art. I want to understand where they're coming from. But I also think there has to be that ability to critique. And I think that some of that has gotten lost mm -hmm. in the... Um, in the style that we interact with uh, output now, the creative yeah. output, with uh, likes and hearts and <laughs> comments and everyone's, oh, this looks so great. Well, what if it doesn't? I want you to tell me. It's yeah. okay. I'm yeah, not, yeah. you know, maybe I'll tell you to fuck off. <laughs> That's fine too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that something that I've always been afraid of, is I'm sure you have this too, I feel like we're, we're kind of of the same cut of the same cloth, but I have imposter syndrome where I feel like any day people are going to feel figure out I'm not meant to be doing this and call me on it. Like with the DJing or with the podcasting, someone's just going to turn up one day and go, you, you suck. You should never have been doing this. And, <laughs> and I know it's not going to happen, but I always worry about that. But I think it is important to still believe in what you do and be accepting of critique and it's hard sometimes you know especially we're in an oversensitive culture too where people yeah. don't really know how to hear no anymore or hear to how to hear yes like people just kind of hear what they want and kind of move forward through the tunnel it's it's tough i mean um yeah i agree that there's an oversensitivity i, I think it's important to not lose sight of the fact that we have to respect each other i yeah. think that's what's at the base uh, yeah. of that uh mindset and, and people want everyone to be respected you know yeah. like racism is a real problem yeah you know uh homophobia is a real problem these are real problems but by the same token like there has to be some opportunity to have an open dialogue uh -huh. where we go back and forth and go maybe I, i'm going to say something that offends you i uh, you know i i think that the work of annie Leibowitz is terrible yeah oh god i love annie Leibowitz. how yeah. could you say that whatever um there has to be some some room to have those arguments and do it in a constructive way. Yeah. And for those sorts of conflicts to also de-escalate. Yeah. Where we can walk back and go, oh, okay, I guess it wasn't that bad. It's okay, yeah. you know. Uh, so I don't, I don't know where that, that happy medium is. Yeah, I don't either. I know it's not on the internet, that's for no, sure. No, it's definitely not. No, it's not. I definitely mean, not. I, I've learned lately that if I want to engage in anything social or political, Facebook's not the place to do it. Twitter's not really the place to do it. It's kind of... Uh, trying to shape hearts and minds, so to speak, as cheesy as that sounds, but in person. Like, yeah. you're going to make more of an impact in person. And, like, everyone hides behind anonymity now. And it's yeah. why, like, I don't really care about anonymity. I want people to know who exactly I am yeah. on the internet because I'm proud of who I am and what I love and what I support. And so yeah. that's who I'm going to present as. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, and I think art is an important way to do that too. I communicate very clearly through music. Like I can't always tell you how I feel, but I can make a playlist of 10 songs telling you how I feel. See, I think that's beautiful. I, I wish, um, <laughs> I had more of that in me to be able to communicate or understand music on that level. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I think I'm going to find that one day. Well, yeah, but I think for you, like I could never interpret photography like you do. Like the, the idea that you had, so I'm going to use this photo as one of the gallery photos on the website. So if you want to check it out, go to crashchords.com um, when this episode is aired, um, which if you've already clicked there to get to this, then congratulations, you saw it. But we walked past an old fashioned telephone booth with no phone in it, like one of the half stand ones that they're all around New York City and friends like let's try something and so I stood in it and he put a light behind me and we ended up getting these glorious very 90s-esque kind of band <laughs> photos of me standing in what looked like this kind of metal case and it just came out great and it's not something that I would have ever seen like in the background also
also um, there was a no post no bills kind of green plywood board that he had me stand against. And it's another thing where like I wouldn't have looked at that and thought that was a great shot. But after the shots were taken, like they like it looks like it could be the album cover for my next hit record. Like it's <laughs> really great shots that I can't look at the world and see that. When you're walking around, can you just like put things into frame? Can you kind of see the potential of photographic moments? Uh, I think I spend all my time thinking about that. Yeah. Pretty much no matter where I go. And um and I think, no, this is no good. This is no good. Can't do this one. Yeah. This is no good. And ruling out pretty much 99.9% of these ideas. But some of them I will like file away and go, oh, that's that's kind of interesting. I like the surface quality of this material. Right. Maybe one day a, a photo will appear where <laughs> the, everything is like shiny and metallic, and that would be cool. Um, and I'm also kind of influenced by things that I've seen, especially like uh, music videos and things mm -hmm. like that. So... Yeah, I, I kind of try and pull inspiration from a few different places, but yeah, I'm always sort of looking in, in the back of my, and thinking in the back of my mind what would be a good shot. And so I guess my follow-up would be, since you've already rattled off the name of some photographers today, do you have any specific photographers who are your inspiration that you kind of saw their work and went, oh, I want to do stuff like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, the first, like I said, uh, Paul Strand was one of the first mm -hmm. people to make an impact on me, just in the way that he sort of uh, saw the geometry in things, you mm -hmm. know. Um, he has some very famous photos that are nothing but shadows being cast by buildings in front of crowds of people. Oh, wow. And you see these and go, oh, that's, that's beautiful. You know, there's this beautiful geometry and composition to it, something that didn't come before. So I like what he did in terms of influence on the rest of the artistic world and the rest of the photographic world. Um, probably uh, George Harrell for his work in Hollywood, the mm. lighting. Um, if you've seen famous Hollywood photos where there's like, um, and this is sort of emulated just because I was seeing this the other day in the uh, scene where Jessica Rabbit comes out in Who Framed Roger oh, Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. You have the spotlights on her, everything's glowing, glimmering. You know, he did a lot of amazing work uh, for Hollywood. Um, Edward Steichen, who was an interesting photographer, he was interesting because at one time he was the highest paid photographer in the world, also doing work for uh, Hollywood. Uh, in oh, I don't want to say the early days, but the earlier days of mm -hmm. Hollywood, uh, 1920s and such. Um, and he was a person who had sort of the boring day job in photography. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but he did a lot of product photography work at that time. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's how he made a majority of his money, uh, so much so that you know he had this uh, huge house, uh, huge estate, tremendous property, all these, you know, all these things out in the middle of nowhere. And he had a lake built on this property. He had this lake made that didn't exist before. He paid to have all this stuff done. And he nicknamed the lake Jurgens <laughs> after the, the loge, hand lotion company <laughs> that pretty much paid for it because that's, that's how much money he made off of them. That's you know? great. Uh, and a lot of people know him for the famous work that he did in Hollywood. And they yeah. don't realize that there was this other side. There was this yeah, other sure. thing you know, that he did uh, photographically. And that's okay, too. You can have the balance of what you do creatively right. and what pays the bills. Sure. And you know, as long as you don't feel like one part is taking away from your soul too much... You know, you can you can do both and have that balance. All so. right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Um, before we close up, I like to 
as cheesy as it is in a lot of interviews, I do like to ask for inspiration from the people who are here. And you, as a person in my personal life, has been very inspirational to me and Thank supportive you. of me. And so if you had any, and it's such a cheesy question, but I feel like there are always so many ways you can come at it. But if you have any bit of advice for people who are trying to get started in the arts, I mean, if you want to be a specific photography, that's fine. But anyway, just getting started out, like what would you say is something that you wish you knew when you started that you would advise to someone else just trying to get started? Uh, never be afraid of your dreams. So whatever you are envisioning, whatever it is that you want to do, no matter how ridiculous it is, don't let anybody ever tell you that you can't do it or you shouldn't do it. Just go into it. Don't second guess. Don't think to yourself, oh, is this a safe option? Is this what I should be doing? Just go for it and don't let anybody stop you. I think that's great advice. I like that. Thank you. Um, tell people, since you're no longer on Facebook, um, but you have a, a Facebook fan page for your work, right? Uh, no, that's down too. Oh, I took okay. that away too. All right. Um, yeah, I took that away just because, again, it was something that I wasn't getting a whole lot of return on investment on. Okay. Uh, some people enjoy it. It wasn't for me. Uh, you can find me at uh, photobyfernando.com. Uh, and basically, if you just search um, Google Photo by Fernando, you'll find me, Instagram, all that stuff. No matter what you do, that's that's pretty much my tag everywhere. Great. Awesome. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Seriously. No, thank you. As a you. friend and as someone whose work I've always admired and who I want to continue to work with in any way I can, um, maybe someday we'll get you diving deep into music and bring you on the other show. I would love that. I'd really enjoy that. Um, the last thing I would ask you to do is we have a sign-off on the show. I don't know if you recall what it was. I've told you before, but it's Music is Life and Life is Good. And I would love for you to just sign us off today. Sure. Music is Life and Life is Good. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.